Hey, if you need new sunglasses, if you would like to get new sunglasses, know that Shady Rays, for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use this promo code Al Galdi. Shady Rays sunglasses, they are the best. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love, or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use that code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And away we go. Episode 560 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, April 28th. 2023. No matter where you stand on the commanders taking Mississippi State corner Emmanuel Forbes with the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, can we all agree that the best, most glorious thing from Thursday night's first round of the draft was something that happened prior to the start of the draft? NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, he on Thursday evening spoke with ESPN prior to the start of the draft, and said the Roger on the sale of the commanders, quote, I think progress is being made, end quote. And he said that, quote, that progress will hopefully lead to them being comfortable to announce some type of transaction probably by the middle of May or late May, end quote. An actual Official announcement on the sale of the Commanders probably by the middle of May or late May. In case you did not know, we're currently in late April. May is not that far away. Beautiful to hear what the Roger said right there. The sale of the Commanders is happening. The end of Dan Snyder's ownership of the team is happening. Hello and welcome to this Friday special Commanders draft installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Don't forget a special Sunday installment of the podcast is coming. Uh, this Sunday, the oh-so-rare weekend episode of the Al Galdi podcast as I will discuss whatever the Commanders do in rounds two through seven of the draft. But before this Sunday show, we have this Friday show. We have the show that you're listening to right now. And next segment, in-depth Reaction to and analysis of the commanders taking Emmanuel Forbes 
at 16. Is it not appropriate that in this year that has been dominated by the sale of the Commanders, a guy with the last name of Forbes (laughs) ends up being the Commanders' first round pick, the final first round pick for the team under the ownership of the Danny? Well, the Commanders on Thursday night did not do as I most wanted them to do, trade down. They apparently could not trade down. Uh, They did not adhere to prevailing thought and take, say, Oregon corner, Christian Gonzalez, who was still available. No, Emmanuel Forbes was the pick. I am a big fan of Emmanuel Forbes. I am pumped for the Commanders to have Forbes. But There are some things to be thinking about with this pick, no doubt. I'm going to get into everything next segment, during which you will hear key comments from head coach Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew from their joint press conference late night on Thursday night. And then after that, I'll discuss more of what Ron and Martin had to say, including Ron addressing the team's quarterback situation and addressing his decision not to exercise the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young. And then later in the show, I will talk Nationals and Orioles. Each team on Thursday night played on the road. Each team on Thursday night rallied, thanks in large part, to a big home run from a guy who hit his second home run this regular season. But the Nationals lost 9-8 at the New York Mets, and the Orioles won 7-4 at the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Each game had a lot going on. I'll take you through everything that mattered. Thursday night was a busy night in the Galdi household. As I come to you right now, as I tape this, at what time is it here? 4.04 a.m. on Friday. But always remember, always know, this is the podcast that follows Washington, D.C. area sports so that you don't have to. Following sports is work. Let us do the work for you. (laughs) You can tweet me. At Al Galdi, you can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commanders not exercising the Chase Young fifth-year option. Email from Ramesh, writes Ramesh. Greetings from the UK. I have some thoughts on the Chase Young situation based on looking into what has happened to high draft picks whose fifth-year options were not picked up. There is a lot of speculation about how not picking up the option can motivate Chase to gain a new deal with the team. But A simple analysis of top five picks whose fifth-year options were not picked up suggests that this optimism is misplaced, and we should not take Ron Rivera's statements regarding motivating Chase at face value. Assuming that Washington behaves like other teams in this situation, the probability of Chase Young being on the roster in 2024 is most likely under 5%, given that zero out of 10 players in a similar situation were given new deals by the teams that drafted them. It seems likely that Ron publicizing the issue recently was part of a plan to prepare us for Chase being gone via free agency in 2024. Logically, I expect Montez Sweat to be the one offered a long-term deal. What a disappointing outcome this would be for the team's only top five draft pick of the past 10 years. Uh, Thank you for the email, Ramesh. So fifth-year options have been part of contracts for first-round picks since the 2011 NFL draft. Uh, That 2011 draft was the first one with the rookie wage scale. The rookie wage scale has been maybe the single most underrated change in the NFL over the last 15 years. The rookie wage scale really has changed the way that you look at players and player contracts. Uh, It has been very rare for a top five pick 
to have his fifth-year option declined. I mean, the Chicago Bears in 2020 did not exercise the fifth-year option for quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, who the Bears took with the number two overall pick in the 2017 draft. Like, that's the territory that Chase Young now is in, Mitchell Trubisky territory. Think about that. Uh, Now, if Chase has a big 2023 season, then I could see the commanders keeping him beyond this coming season. I mean, a lot of us, myself included, did think that there was a really good chance that Deron Payne would be gone this offseason, but the commanders have kept him, right? They this offseason franchise tagged him and then signed him to a contract extension that has made him the second highest paid interior defensive lineman in NFL history in terms of average annual value. So a similar scenario with Chase Young could happen. But remember, Washington in 2021 exercised Duran's fifth-year option. The commanders, of course, have not exercised Chase's fifth-year option. Email from Dan in Minnesota writes, Dan, the sky is falling. No fifth-year option for Chase Young. I can see both sides to most debated decisions with this team, but I cannot see both sides with this issue. Chase had a great rookie season, no doubt, but he was largely exposed in the immediate games prior to his injury, and he has missed a ton of time due to this injury, for which we'll probably never get the full story. What about that says, guarantee me $17 million? This organization has mismanaged talent for decades. We have seen many players go on to be impactful players for other franchises. Champ Bailey, Lorenzo Alexander, Ryan Clark, Ole Kirky, baby. I feel like this panic for not picking up Chase's fifth-year option is a product of all of this inept management. People are scared to death that our football people are inept and are missing what is right in front of them. Clearly, Ron has not been lights out with free agents, but he has cut bait on the worst decisions that he has made. Uh, This isn't a popular take, but I largely like the football moves that Ron has made. Locking in Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, and Terry McLaurin, I think that it's time to trust that the football people in the building know what's going on and gasp, have a plan. Thank you for the email, Dan. Uh, You know, maybe this is just me, but I don't sense panic over the team not exercising the Chase Young fifth-year option. Yes, there are fans who think that the team should have exercised the option, but there are many fans who think that the team made the right call in not exercising the option. Heck, it may even be that a majority of fans believe that the team made the right call in not exercising the option, at least according to the feedback that I've received uh, via Twitter and email. Like I said on Thursday's show, episode 559, whether the commanders should have exercised the option is debatable, okay? It's a kind of issue on which reasonable people can disagree. I came to think that the team should not exercise the option, but there is an argument for having exercised the option. To me, what truly matters with the team not exercising the Chase Young option isn't whether the team should have exercised the option, but rather two things. Number one, An NFL team not exercising the fifth-year option for a first-round pick, let alone a number two overall pick, is a really big deal, is an indictment of that pick, regardless of the reason for not exercising the option. The team not exercising this option is a, you know, sobering declaration about how things have gone for Chase 
with the team. Number two, Ron Rivera publicly expressing uncertainty about whether to exercise the option and talking about how not exercising the option could serve to motivate Chase and then ultimately not exercising the option. All of that is further reason to believe that there's a disconnect between Rod and Chase. Something is off between them. Something is not right between them. We first saw signs of this in 2021 and It now, to me, is undeniable that all has not been well. All has not been hunky-dory between Ron Rivera and Chase Young. Doesn't mean that they hate each other, but clearly Ron is not thrilled with Chase. You don't publicly call out Chase as Ron did in 2021. You don't publicly talk about wanting to motivate Chase as Ron has done this offseason if all is well between you and Chase. Chase Young's badly injured right knee certainly is a major factor and the commander's not exercising his fifth-year option, but the knee is not the only factor. Well, hopefully, Chase Young this coming season will get back to being great as he was in his 2020 rookie season, but someone who continues to be great is a proud sponsor of this special Commander's Draft installment of the Al Galdi podcast, Dr. George Verghese. Uh, Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you, but call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. A big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. A subscription to the pod costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review could be just a sentence or two. Can be more, but doesn't have to be. And thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. So for a third consecutive first round in an NFL draft, Washington has made an at least somewhat surprising pick, a pick that 
if you go by, the expectations at the time of the pick was an example of overdrafting. Uh, the 2021 draft, Washington took linebacker Jamin Davis with the number 19 overall pick. The 2022 draft, the Commanders took receiver Jahan Dotson with the number 16 overall pick. And now, the 2023 draft, the Commanders have taken corner Emmanuel Forbes with the number 16 overall pick. One thing has become quite clear with Rod Rivera as Washington head coach in the coach-centric approach. His opinion <laughs> on draft prospects can be quite different than the opinions of others. Uh, Jamin Davis had a very disappointing rookie season, but then a solid second season. Jahan Dodson had a good rookie season, and at least right now, the idea that the commanders overdrafted him is overrated, and we will see with Emmanuel Forbes, the corner at a Mississippi State. If we're just talking corners, the commanders on Thursday night and taking Forbes with that number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft passed on multiple corners who had been perceived to be better than Forbes. Uh, Oregon corner, Kristen Gonzalez, he got taken by the New England Patriots with the number 17 overall pick. Maryland corner, Deontay Banks, he got taken by the New York Giants with the number 24 overall pick. Uh, Penn State corner, Joey Porter Jr., he remains on the board, wasn't taken on Thursday night. Uh, Alabama safety, Brian Branch, he remains on the board. He was not taken on Thursday night. You know, I use the word perceived as in some of these players had been perceived to be better than Forbes. Perception isn't always accurate. The Emmanuel Forbes pick reminded me of the Jahan Dodson pick last year. The commanders in the 2022 draft initially had the number 11 overall pick, uh, with which they could have taken a number of other receivers, including Chris Olave and Jamison Williams. But the commanders instead traded down with the New Orleans Saints, and with the number 16 overall pick, took Jahan Dodson. The commanders on Thursday night did not trade down, but they passed on Christian Gonzalez and Deontay Banks and Joey Porter Jr. and Brian Branch to take Emmanuel Forbes. And of course, it's not as simple as that. The commanders uh, did not take quarterback Will Levis, who remains on the board. He was not taken on Thursday night. The commanders did not take quarterback Hendon Hooker, who remains on the board. He was not taken on Thursday night. Every NFL draft is fascinating to look back on. This draft in particular is going to be interesting to look back on from a commander's perspective because there was no obvious pick for the commanders at 16. I thought that they were going to take Christian Gonzalez. Him falling to the commanders at 16 reminded me so much of Jonathan Allen falling to the Redskins at 17 in the 2017 draft. And of course, we look back at that now as being a wonderful thing, as the commanders have one of the best interior defensive linemen in football. But the commanders on Thursday night passed on Christian Gonzalez. They liked Emmanuel Forbes better. Were they right? We, late night on Thursday night, had a joint post-pick press conference with Rod Rivera and General Manager Martin Mayhew at the Commander's facility in Ashburn, Virginia. Here were Martin and Ron on Emmanuel Forbes, who did make a top 30 visit to the Commander's. 
Yeah, he was exceptional. Great visit. I sat down and talked to him, came to my office, and we visited for about 30 minutes. And a uh, really, really confident young man, um, carried himself very well. Um, and I think he's going to fit in great with our locker room and the rest of our players. He, he, he's had some charisma. He, he did. He came in and, and you know, and, and he kind of lights it up when he's around people. Um, and, and, you know, as Martin said, there, there's a lot of things about him to like. There, there really were. Um, and confident. You know, he, he. I think he's got the ship on his shoulder about his weight, um, and he says, you know, it's, it doesn't seem to affect how he plays, obviously. So he, he's just confident about that, and that was that was really good to see. All right. So you heard Ron Rivera mention Emmanuel Forbes' weight. Uh, that is the biggest concern with him. Uh, he is light, <laughs> very light. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes at the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine weighed in at a mere 166 pounds. That's it, 166 pounds. But here's the thing. He's light, yes. He's thin, yes. But he isn't tiny. Forbes at the Combine also measured as being 6'1", and also measured as having a 79-inch wingspan. He, for a corner, is tall. He, for a corner, is long. And the worry with the weight is his body holding up, right? Like, is he heavy enough? Does he have enough mass to withstand the punishment that is playing in the NFL. Well, know this. Emmanuel Forbes, over three seasons at Mississippi State 2020 through 2022, never missed a game due to injury. This was Ron Rivera on Thursday night on if he wants Emmanuel Forbes to put on weight, and then you'll hear Martin Mayhew chime in. Well, I mean, if he puts on good weight, absolutely. You know, that 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 I think will happen as as he continues to mature. I think he's a young man who, you know, we, we got to understand he's still growing. Um, and again, it, he played in the SEC and did what he did. Um, is there a concern? No, uh, I, I, I don't. I don't have a concern just from watching his tape and watching who he played against. When you watch his tape, you, you don't know. You don't know that he's he's that yeah. light. He doesn't look like that on tape. He doesn't play like that. He's been durable. Had missed a game because of an, an injury in three years. Three year starter, so he's been durable in the SEC and he's played a lot of football. Um, so we're that's that's something that we don't really concern ourselves with. Yeah, you know, the point about Emmanuel Forbes having done well in the SEC, what is the number one conference in college football, is so key. And Forbes did very well in the SEC. Emmanuel Forbes, over 35 career games for Mississippi State, had 14 interceptions, including six pick sixes. Yes, six pick sixes. He is the all-time leader in career pick sixes in the FBS. Now, Takeaways in football can be random. We've talked about this on the podcast. Uh, Takeaways can be fluky. Takeaways can't necessarily be counted on, okay? There's a reason that the phenomenon of takeaways coming in bunches exists. That's because takeaways can kind of be a thing and then not be a thing, you know? So when you say, like, we specialize in takeaways, that's great, but that's not really something you can count on game in, game out, season in, season out. However, all of that said, there is something to be said for a player being a ball hawk. And Emmanuel Forbes is a ball hawk. There are players who are better at generating interceptions than other players. Emmanuel Forbes is one of the players who excels at generating interceptions. You know, he was a receiver in high school. 
And there is such a thing as having a knack for interceptions. As fluky and as random as they can be, there is such a thing as having high-level anticipation that allows you to generate interceptions. Forbes has the knack. He has the anticipation. Uh, There is such a thing as having the vision to where you, on returns of interceptions, score touchdowns. Uh, Forbes quite clearly has the vision and, oh, by the way, has the speed. Emmanuel Forbes at the 2023 Combine ran a 4-3-5-40. This guy's a blazer. Here was Martin Mayhew on Thursday night on what makes Emmanuel Forbes good at generating interceptions. And then you'll hear thoughts from Ron Rivera. Well, he has a really good feel for routes and route combinations. He has great awareness and coverage. He can see where everybody is. Um, and, and then he, he can track the ball really well down the field. You know, um, and that's, that's a difficult thing to do. I and mean, when you're running with your back to the ball, you got to turn around and locate it. He does a great job of doing that, which probably comes from him being on the offensive side of the ball when he was younger. Um, so all those things come into play. But the guy just has a really good feel as a corner. And he's got really good length for press coverage as well. You know, she mentioned that. I mean, we talk about his size, but we haven't talked about about his length. He's, he's tall and he's long. He gets his hands on guys and press. Um, he disrupts routes. So he, he, he has, he, he's the total package. He really is. Um, he, he can do everything that, that a corner should, should be able to do. Well, I echo the sentiment because if you look at him, I mean, you know, he, he's a 4-3 guy. And, and when you can run and have that length, you're going to put yourself in position. Uh, he's got very good awareness. I mean, when you watch, again, go back to his tape and you see some of the plays he makes, he has that feel, as, as Martin pointed out, you know, and, and one play in particular that reminds me or anything else is when he's, he's gotten into a hinge technique where he's got a high guy and a guy below him, and he puts himself in between both. And the quarterback's not quite sure, and he hesitates. And next thing you know, he's driving on the ball, making a big play. It's just you see that you see that element to his game, and and you know that that's what you're getting. All right, what about the scheme? Uh, Ron Rivera via the William Jackson the third debacle learned a valuable lesson about the importance of scheme fit for a corner. Here was Ron on Thursday night on how he sees Emmanuel Forbes fitting in to what defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio does. Well, a lot of stuff that they do, that they did, is very similar to us because they, they played man, they played zone. Um, you know, a good portion of his of his takeaways came from zone as well. So uh, he's more than capable. They, they play a lot of the techniques and styles we did. It's just a matter of understanding the, the terminology more than anything else. So we think it should translate. We feel pretty good about the translation. I know the, the defensive staff feels very good about, about his ability. Okay, uh, what about outside versus inside? Uh, the commander's top three corners now are Emmanuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Juice, and Kendall Fuller. You certainly could argue that all three guys are best as outside corners. Who is the number one slot corner? Ron Rivera on Thursday night on that. Well, that'll be something that we, we, we will work through once we get everybody on the field together. Well, consider this. Emmanuel Forbes, over his three seasons at Mississippi State, played a total of just 22 snaps in the slot, if you go by the data from Pro Football Focus. (laughs) Okay, that's it. 22 snaps in the slot for PFF. Now, that doesn't mean that Forbes can't play the slot in the NFL, but his experience certainly is not in the slot. 
Uh, I like Emmanuel Forbes a lot. The two big questions are, number one, to what extent will the weight be an issue in the NFL? And hopefully the answer to that is a big fat zero. And number two, did the commanders blow it in not taking Christian Gonzalez or Deontay Banks or Joey Porter Jr.? Should the team have had those guys higher on the team's draft board than Emmanuel Forbes? Uh, if you look at the Pro Football Focus big board, uh, Gonzalez is the number 12 player in this draft. Uh, Banks, number 18. Porter, number 21. Forbes, number 26. But listen, just because guys are ranked in a certain order for a draft doesn't mean anything <laughs> for how those guys will end up doing in the NFL. I am excited for Emmanuel Forbes with the Commanders. And think about this. The Commanders for the 2022 regular season ranked number 13 in the NFL in pass defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric and ranked number one in the NFL in third down defense. The team's pass defense last season was really good. The Commanders now are adding Emmanuel Forbes. So you think about this Commander secondary, Forbes, Benjamin St. Juice, and Kendall Fuller at corner. Cameron Curl at Derek Forrest at safety, to say nothing of other players. I really believe the commanders have a chance to have a great secondary, maybe even an elite secondary. And obviously, in today's NFL, in this pass-happy NFL, if you're going to excel anywhere on defense, uh, excelling in the secondary is a mighty fine place at which to excel. And the commanders could have themselves a top level secondary this coming season when you think about Forbes and St. Juice and Fuller and Curl and Forrest. An elite secondary. Think about that. Wouldn't that be nice? A secondary perhaps as elite as Shady Ray sunglasses, which are available to you via a great deal. Shady Rays, for listeners of this podcast, is offering a fantastic deal. 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Rays sunglasses, they look good, they feel good. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses. No questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. And so take advantage of the special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code Al Galdi for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yes, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. And get this, if you don't love your sunglasses, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. 
Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, more now from the joint post-pick press conference of Commander's head coach Rod Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew late night on Thursday night off the team taking Mississippi State corner Emmanuel Forbes with the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Uh, I on Thursday's show, episode 559, predicted that the commanders on Thursday night would trade down and take Forbes. Uh, Well, they (laughs) ended up just taking Forbes at 16. This was Martin Mayhew on Thursday night on whether the commanders on Thursday night got calls about trading down in the first round. No, no, we didn't get any calls this year. We got a ton last year, uh, but we didn't get them this year. We, we discussed that and looked at it. Uh, there were a number of guys that we liked. We felt there was a certain distance we could go back and still get one of those guys, but the call didn't come, and we made the call to get Emmanuel. All right, so at least according to Martin Mayhew, the opportunity to trade down this year was not there. What about the quarterbacks? So three of the top four picks in the draft were quarterbacks. The Carolina Panthers took Alabama's Bryce Young with the number one pick. The Houston Texans took Ohio State's C.J. Stroud with the number two pick. And the Indianapolis Colts took Florida's Anthony Richardson with the number four pick. But then that was it. No other quarterbacks were taken in the first round. Kentucky's Will Levis still available. Tennessee's Hendon Hooker still available. Rod Rivera on Thursday night on if he was tempted to take Levis or Hooker. No, I, I think the big thing for us right now is, you know, what we did in free agency, I, I think really helped us as a football team. And, and again, I like who Jacoby Brissett is. Um, for the most part, I think with with some of the guys we, 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 we grabbed on the offensive line, adding to that depth, uh, that really has helped us. Um, doing some of the things that we did on the defensive side, finding the middle linebacker. You know, there's a lot of pluses to, to, to all the things we did. 
and yet the one thing that we still have confidence in and very comfortable with is, is what we have at quarterback. We, we think Sam and, and Jacoby, um, you know, and Jake, for that matter, give us a, a good room right now. All right, so a vote of confidence from Rod Rivera in not so much Sam Howell, but in the commander's quarterback situation of Sam Jacoby Brissett. And yes, <laughs> Jake Fromm. Don't forget about Jake. Uh, here's what's going to be interesting. The commander's second round pick is the number 47 overall pick. When that pick comes up on Friday night, what if Will Levis is still available? What if Hendon Hooker is still available? Will the commanders then pull the trigger on taking either guy? Might the commanders be able to trade down? in that situation. There are a lot of concerns with both Levis and Hooker as NFL quarterbacks, but the thing is, those two guys are quarterbacks, and our team does not have a franchise quarterback, at least not one that we know of, okay? Who knows what'll happen with Sam Howell, but as things stand right now, you can't say that the commanders have a franchise quarterback. And so, as I've been saying, there should not be a complete dismissing of anything for the team regarding quarterback in this draft. And so I do wonder about Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. Again, flawed prospects to be sure. But if they continue to fall, at what point does it make sense for the commanders to take one of those guys along the lines of what the commanders did with Sam Howell in the 2022 draft, in which the commanders, of course, took Sam in the fifth round off quite the fall for him. Also on Thursday night, uh, Ron Rivera addressed the big commander's news from Wednesday morning, the multiple reports that the team has decided to not exercise the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of edge defender Chase Young. Now, Ron did not say much, but for the record, I will play for you what he had to say. Uh, first of all, Ron got asked whether he spoke with the apparent incoming new ownership of the team, the Josh Harris Group, prior to deciding not to exercise the fifth-year option for Chase Young. Here was Ron's answer. No. So it was a decision that had to be made after talking with Martin, after talking with Marty, um, Eric, um, you know, and, and, and Chris. Um, you know, we just felt that, that that was going to be the best, so I decided that's what we were going to do. Uh, Marty is, of course, Marty Herney, the commander's executive vice president of football slash player personnel. Eric is Eric Stokes, the team's senior director of player personnel. And Chris is Chris Polian, the team's director of pro personnel. I'm not even sure if Rod Rivera consulting with Josh Harris on a team decision is allowed at this point. I mean, there is nothing official with Josh Harris here, okay? This agreement between Josh Harris and Dan Snyder for Josh to buy the team from Dan, per reports, isn't even signed and isn't even exclusive. Uh, but yeah, at least according to Ron, he did not consult with Josh about the Chase Young option. This was Ron Rivera on Thursday night on this decision to not exercise the Chase Young fifth-year option. Well, just for the most part, it was the football decision that we made. And for the most part, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, we want to take care of our own. We want to go out and we want them to play well. And if that's what happens, then we have a really good problem to have. And it's something that we'll have to work through, you know, once we know where everything is. Yeah. So Rod Rivera right there did not say much. Quote, it was the football decision that we made end quote. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. It was the football decision 
that you made. Here was Ron on Thursday night on why he made this football decision, why he decided to not exercise the Chase Young fifth-year option. Well, again, you know, just going through the, the past history, the last year and a half, you know, and, and again, you've got to take that into consideration, and we'll see. I mean, again, we, we'd love for him to do, you know, what, what we had last year with Duran. I mean, we want to take care of our own and comes out and plays well and does things that we're supposed to, you know, that, that, that he's capable of, then uh, we'll go from there. Hey, did you catch what Ron Rivera said toward the end of that answer? Ron on Chase Young, quote, we want to take care of our own and comes out and plays well and does the things that we're supposed to, that he's capable of, that we'll go from there, end quote. Does the things that we're supposed to. Uh, That was perhaps a reference to Chase previously having not done the things that he was supposed to do, i.e. adhere to the defensive scheme. Remember, that was such a problem in the 2021 season, at least according to Ron. As I said in the opening segment of the show, this decision to not exercise the Chase Young option is about more than just his badly injured right knee. And Ron Rivera, late night on Thursday night, didn't say all that much about the Chase Young situation, but he said enough to make me, and I'm guessing many of you, continue to think that this Chase Young decision was about more than just Chase's right knee. The Nationals, unfortunately, remain without a series sweep of any kind since August 2021. The drought continues. Uh, The Nats, for a second consecutive series, did win the first two games, but did then lose the third game. Uh, This past weekend, the Nats won two or three games at the Minnesota Twins, and now this week, the Nats won two or three games at the New York Mets. So the good news is that the Nats have won two of three in each of the team's last two series. Uh, But yeah, still no series sweep of any kind for the Nats since August 2021. Uh, Thursday night, a wild 9-8 loss at the Mets. While the NFL draft's first round was going on, the Nats were playing a bunkers game at the Mets. Uh, The Nats fell to 9-15. There was so much to this game. I mean, consider this. The Nats nearly won the game despite getting doubled up in terms of hits 16-8. But from a Nats perspective, especially considering the rebuilding state of the Nats, uh, nothing in this game was bigger than C.J. Abrams hitting a grand slam. The Nats in this game overcame a 7-3 eighth inning deficit with a five-run eighth that featured three hit-by-pitches, an RBI sack fly, an error, and just one hit, but the hit was the C.J. Abrams Grand Slam. He is the Nats starting shortstop and number nine batter, went one for four. The one was the Grand Slam, a one-out Grand Slam to right center field for an 8-7 lead. The homer went a projected 406 feet per stat cast. Uh, This was just Abrams' second home run this regular season. Here was Nats manager Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night on C.J. Abrams Grand Slam. Oh, he stayed flat and straight to the baseball. I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, um, the stuff that we've been working on with him, you know, and uh, to talk, talking to him about, you know, just stay, stay in the middle of the field. Um, man, I guess the lefty, he stayed through that ball and hit really well. 
how big of a swing is that for a young player like him and you know where he was just to, that moment for him yeah it's awesome it's awesome to see him come through like that you know and like I said his teammates were I think were a lot more excited than he was you know in the dugout so um, it's a big moment for him you know ho- hopefully he keeps it going Yes, hopefully. Uh, C.J. Abrams' grand slam actually was the Nats' second home run of the game. Uh, Yeah, the Nats, who rarely hit home runs, actually hit two home runs on Thursday night. Uh, The Nats, for this regular season, now have 14 home runs, second fewest in the majors. But Alex Cole, he is the Nats' starting left fielder and number one batter, two for four with a solo homer, a single, and a walk. And he made a nice defensive play. Uh, Cole in the Nats' one-run third, a leadoff opposite field home run to right center field to tie the game at one. And with that nice defensive play, Cole, bottom of the third, a good-looking running backhanded catch of a Francisco Lindor foul ball while crashing into the sidewall for the second out. Uh, Now, Davey Martinez for this game did have a different looking lineup uh, due to resting some guys and also due to the Nats facing a lefty starting pitcher. And so Luis Garcia did not start the game, but he did come off the bench to play second base and he was productive one for one with a pinch RBI single and an RBI sack fly. Garcia in the Nats two run sixth, a pinch one out bases loaded RBI single to center field to cut the Nats deficit to 4-2 and Garcia in that Nats five run eighth and RBI sack fly to cut the Nats deficit to 7-4. The different looking lineup from Davey Martinez also included Dominic Smith having the night off and thus Joey Manessis serving as the Nats starting first baseman and not starting DH. And the uh, defensive drop off from Dominic Smith to Joey Manessis was on display. The aforementioned CJ Abrams, he in the bottom of the third got charged with a throwing error on a two out grounder by Pete Alonso, but the throwing error, and I put throwing error in quotation marks, uh, was a one-hop throw that really should have been caught by Joey Manessis, uh, but was not caught. Uh, Abrams on the grounder made a nice backhanded catch deep in the hole while going toward third base on the border of the infield dirt and outfield grass. Made a one-hop throw, but Manessis did not make the catch. And then in a Mets three-run fourth, Francisco Lindor, a two-out, two-run double down the first baseline and passed Joey Manessis on an 0-2 pitch for a 4-1 Mets lead. Not an easy play. I don't want to kill Manessis for that play, but you know a play that you'd like to think a good defensive first baseman might have made, at least to prevent the hit from being a double. Uh, that double came off the Nats starting pitcher on Thursday night, Trevor Williams. Uh, Williams had been good over his previous three starts, but he was not good on Thursday night. Four runs in five innings. He gave up nine hits, a home run, a double, and seven singles. He issued two walks. He did have four strikeouts, and he did throw a good number of strikes, although he also threw a good number of pitches. So Williams threw 95 pitches, 62 strikes, versus 33 balls, uh, and he gave up a lot of hard contact. Uh, Williams, in the bottom of the second, allowed a run on two one-out singles and a one-out RBI sack fly, and he then gave up a two-out single and issued a two-out walk. And Williams, in the bottom of the fourth, allowed three runs, which all came after he began the bottom of the fourth with back-to-back strikeouts. So Williams gave up a two-out solo home run by Brett Beatty to right center field for a 2-1 Mets lead. And Williams then gave up back-to-back two-out singles. And then he issued a two-out walk. And then he gave up that two-out two-run double by Francisco Lindor. Uh, Also for the Nats on Thursday night, bad relief pitching. You know, the Nats pitching lately had been good, but the pitching had problems on Thursday night. Four Nats relievers combined to allow five runs 
in three innings. Uh, Erasmo Ramirez, he in the bottom of the sixth, allowed three runs on a leadoff single by Brandon Nimmo up the middle. A one-out RBI double by Francisco Lindor off the right field fence for a 5-3 Mets lead. A one-out RBI single by Pete Alonso through the left side of the infield for a 6-3 Mets lead. And a first pitch two-out RBI single by Daniel Vogelback into no man's land in shallow left center field for a 7-3 Mets lead. Uh, Hobie Harris did then toss a scoreless bottom of the seventh. But then Mason Thompson, who had been outstanding so far this season, was a disaster in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, He faced four batters, recorded just one out, and allowed two runs. He gave up a leadoff single by Starling Marte to center field, a one-out game-tying opposite field RBI double by Pete Alonso to the right center field gap to tie the game at eight, and a one-out RBI triple by Jeff McNeil off the right field wall for a 9-8 Mets lead. I don't know if Thompson was fatigued or what, but he did not look like himself. You know, Thompson in the Nats 5-0 win at the Mets on Tuesday night, tossed three scoreless innings for the save, but he in that appearance only threw 28 pitches. So it's conceivable that he on Thursday night wasn't fatigued and was just off. Hard to say. Uh, Anyway, so bad was Thompson on Thursday night that he got yanked. Uh, Kyle Finnegan came into the game, and he in the bottom of the eighth faced two batters and got two outs. Next up for the Nats is a three-game series at Nationals Park against arguably the biggest surprise team in the majors, the National League-leading Pittsburgh Pirates, who are 18-8. and Raise your hand if you saw that coming. Uh, Game one, Friday night at 7.05, Chad Cool will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two, Saturday afternoon at 1.05, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three, Sunday afternoon at 1.35, Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. But the forecast has a lot of rain in the Washington, D.C. area over the next few days. So the schedule for Nats Pirates this weekend could end up being changed. All right, so the Nationals on Thursday night overcame a significant deficit and lost, but the Orioles on Thursday night overcame a significant deficit and won. A 7-4 win at the Detroit Tigers on Thursday evening in Game 1 of a four-game series as the O's overcame a 3-0 fifth-inning deficit. And we're back, Joe Angel in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. (laughs) That is correct, Joe. The win column. Boy, we are hearing a lot of Joe Angel these days. The O's now are 17-8. and That is the second best record in the American League. And the O's now have won 13 of their last 16 games. The O's on Thursday evening scored seven runs on nine hits and three walks. No hit was bigger than what Anthony Santander did in an Orioles five-run seven. Santander was the Orioles' starting DH and number four batter. He went one for four with three strikeouts, but the one was a big two-run homer. Santander in that Orioles' five-run seventh, a two-out, two-run homer to left field on a one-two pitch for a 7-4 Orioles lead. The homer went a projected 414 feet per stat cast, and it was just his second home run of this regular season. He is not having a good season so far. Like I said, he on Thursday evening struck out three times, but he came through with that big home run. Also, Joey Ortiz, 
made his major league regular season debut and drove in three runs. Uh, the O's on Thursday morning recalled infielder Joey Ortiz from AAA Norfolk. Uh, Joey Ortiz is one of the Orioles' many highly touted prospects. He, at the time of being called up, was the number 91 prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline. And know this, the O's took Ortiz in the fourth round of the 2019 MLB draft out of New Mexico State. This is what the Nats need a lot more of, non-first-round hits in MLB drafts. Anyway, Ortiz on Thursday evening was the Orioles' starting second baseman and number nine batter. He went one for three with a two-run single and an RBI sack fly. Uh, Ortiz in an Orioles two-run fifth, a two-out, two-run opposite field single through the right side of the infield to conclude a seven-pitch plate appearance in which he was down in the count at one point. 0-2, and Ortiz in that Orioles five-run seventh had an RBI sack fly to conclude a seven-pitch plate appearance in which he was down in the count at one point, 1-2. So some really good hitting there from Joey Ortiz in, again, what was his major league regular season debut. Not bad. Uh, the O's won on Thursday evening despite Kyle Gibson not being good for the first time in four starts. Uh, Gibson allowed three runs in four into third innings. He gave up eight hits, a double, and seven singles. He issued two walks and a wild pitch. He had three strikeouts, and he, over his mere four and a third innings, threw a staggering 102 pitches, uh, 64 strikes versus 38 balls. Here was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday night on Kyle Gibson. You know, I didn't think we helped them out early. I didn't think we played a very good <laughs> brand of baseball there the first three or four innings, unfortunately, and um, kind of led to some long innings. Uh, I thought he did a good job of minimizing damage. Was trying to get through that fifth inning. Uh, couldn't quite, but... Uh, um, you know, he, he definitely competed and, and just, you know, just didn't have his best stuff, but it didn't seem like it really any, anybody did, honestly. Uh, it was kind of a cold night and um, our command wasn't like normal. Ah, yes. Speaking of the command of Orioles pitchers, what a strange game for the Orioles bullpen on Thursday evening. Five Orioles relievers combined to allow one run in four and two thirds innings with eight strikeouts but also a whopping eight walks. Uh, CNL Perez continued to struggle. He got charged with a run and recorded just one out. Uh, Perez, in the Tigers' one-run sixth, faced four batters, issued two walks and a hit-by-pitch while also recording a strikeout. He threw 23 pitches, just 11 strikes versus 12 balls. CNL Perez was really good for the O's last season, but he has been bad so far this season. And then consider what went down with closer Felix Batista on Thursday evening. He tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth with three strikeouts, but he also issued three walks. I mean, how about that? Three strikeouts, but also three walks. But Batista ultimately did not the save. Bizarre game for the Orioles bullpen. Good run prevention, a lot of strikeouts, but also a lot of walks. Uh, but hey, the run prevention is what matters most. Game two for the O's at the Tigers is on Friday evening at 6.40. Grayson Rodriguez will be the Orioles starting pitcher. Game three at the Tigers is on Saturday afternoon at 1.10. Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And game four at the Tigers is on Sunday afternoon at 1.40. Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles starting pitcher.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. The next installment of this podcast will come out on Sunday, not Monday, Sunday, what will be episode 561, a special weekend show recapping whatever the commanders do in rounds two through seven of the NFL draft on Friday night and Saturday. Have a great rest of your Friday. Have a great Saturday. And I'll talk to you on Sunday. Well, just for the most part, it was the football decision that we made. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com